Okay, tonight if you would turn in your Bibles to Job chapter 25. We're going to start a, a doctrinal study of the doctrine of justification. And we'll take as our text some questions that Job had. Job chapter 25 and verse 1. Well, actually, this is questions Bildad had. Then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, Dominion and fear are with him. He maketh peace in his high places. Is there any number of his armies? And upon whom doth not his light arise? How then can a man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? Behold, even to the moon, and it shineth not. Yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man that is a worm? and the Son of Man, which is a worm. Pretty interesting questions that Bildad asks. And the text verse tonight asks a very important question. How can man be justified with God? Now, justification is a legal term. If you're justified... The opposite of that would be, you're not condemned. So if a man is justified before God, he will not be condemned by God. To justify simply means to be made right with, in its simplest version. Now, the question addressed is, And I think he brings this out in the text. How can a corrupt, defiled, lost sinner be made right with a holy and righteous God? How can someone who is impure and unholy be right, be made right, be considered righteous before God. The doctrine of justification is perhaps one of the most important doctrines as far as man is concerned. Because on it, this doctrine, on it hinges either eternal condemnation or the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Those two concepts are poles apart. You're either condemned for your sins justly under the law for an eternity in the lake of fire, or you are justified, declared not guilty, acquitted, and righteous before a holy God. Massive difference. 
when you consider those are the only two alternatives for every single man, woman, boy, and girl. You're either going to be, if you're justified, you're going to heaven on the merits of Christ. If you're condemned, you're going to the lake of fire for all eternity without any reprieve, without any parole, to be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. Now, the question, and really the answer is not difficult if you believe the Bible. How can man be made right before God? How can this be? The Bible clearly reveals it. This is not a mystery. It's not something that is just uh, beyond us. It's, it is forthrightly declared in Scripture, as you'll see as we proceed in our study of the doctrine of justification. Man needs a righteousness that is in perfect harmony with obedience to the law of God. That's what he needs. He needs a righteousness which he does not possess, either by nature or by ability. Meaning that you and I and every person that's ever born is not born righteous. They're not born with a righteousness that answers God's requirements according to the law. Rather, we are all born sinners. So by nature, you're not born righteous or justified, nor can by your ability, by your works, by your, what you produce, can you ever be made righteous in and of yourself before God. So that puts you and me in a pretty precarious position, biblically. <clears throat> so therefore, if a, if a man is to be just, or to be declared not guilty before God, he needs the perfect and holy righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is charged to his account by the person and work of Jesus Christ. Someone defined justification as the act of God's free grace, wherein He pardons all our sins <coughs> and accepts us as righteous in His sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Now, C.D. Cole, by the way, if you, if, there, if you ever want to get a little doctrinal series, it's excellent. Uh, I don't get any royalties from this. Uh, but this is published by Bryan Station Baptist Church, and it's called Definitions of Doctrine. Now, Volume 1 deals with the attributes of God. Volume 2 is sin, salvation, and service. And Volume 3 is on the doctrine of the church. But I like what Cole said on the nature of justification or what justification is. Justification is that particular aspect of salvation 
which consists of deliverance from the guilt and penalty of sin. It is the legal aspect of salvation in which one has right standing before God as lawgiver. So far as guilt and condemnation are concerned, the believer is as perfect as if he had never sinned. Paul challenges the whole universe. Romans 8.33 Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. At Antioch and Pisidia, the apostle preached the crucified and risen Christ, saying, And by Him all that believe are justified from all things from which He could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now we'll get into greater depth on our definition as we go along, but tonight I want to bring out I'm going to address the things, the false things that lost people trust in to try to justify themselves before God. And you probably did this yourself before you were saved. Because man by nature is self-righteous. When you talk to most people about their soul, one of the common answers is, are you going to... You just ask them a simple question. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, what do you base that on? What, why do you think you should go to hell? Oh, I'm a good person. I keep, I keep the law. I, I believe in the Ten Commandments. Well, that's, that's the worst answer you could give. If you really believe the Ten Commandments, you ain't got a chance of going to heaven based on them. Your only hope is in Christ. But most people think that they're righteous enough before God to get there on their own. Now, do you know what the classic example of this is, the classic illustration? This is a rhetorical question, and I'm trying to make you nervous. Uh, can you think of a, an illustration in the Bible where somebody proclaimed their own righteousness before God and thought that they were completely, perfectly all right? The answer is the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18. It's a classic. Turn over there to Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. <clears throat> and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. That, that's one of the characteristics of self-righteousness. You approve your, of yourself, you trust in yourself, in your ability, your religiosity, your goodness, and, and you look down on others. You despise others. Most self-righteous people have no humility whatsoever. They look down on others. They have a holier-than-thou attitude. And they may be as wicked as they come. 
Verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. That's a bad way to start. If you're praying with yourself, you're not getting anywhere. The object of your prayers ought to be God. They ought to be directed to God. He says, God, I thank Thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He's saying, Thank you, Lord, for I'm honest in every one of my dealings with men. I'm absolutely righteous. I am morally pure. And I'm nothing like this rotten, filthy publican that's standing next to me. I, now notice the, 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 the word that's central in all this. It's all about him. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now that's his declaration of his own righteousness. And the publican, standing afar off, would not so much as his eye lift up his eye, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He didn't proclaim anything about himself other than that, I'm a sinner. Jesus said in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now every lost man seeks in some way in which to justify himself before God. The inspired record here says, The Pharisee trusted in himself and despised others. The Pharisees thought that they could gain the approval of God and eternal life by self-effort. By their own works. Every lost man who refuses to trust only in Christ is a Pharisee by nature. And every false religion proclaims a salvation based on the works of man rather than the work of Christ. And I'm telling you, you can't, the Bible forcibly condemns the idea of work salvation in any form. No matter what religion it is, if they are wrong on this point, they are preaching a false gospel and will be accursed by God. And I have scripture to back that up. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8. And Paul wrote an entire book Condemning legalism, the idea that man can do something himself religiously and ceremonially to <laughs> that didn't come out ceremonially to come out to make himself 
righteous before God. It's an impossibility. And Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 8, though, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. What gospel is it? Well, it's the only one in the Bible. There's only one gospel. It's the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ for sinners. You have to believe that message. And you can be saved. It doesn't matter who's preaching that message. Somebody could just read the Bible out loud and you hear that and you could believe the gospel and be saved. There's only one gospel. There are not several. One that, that is true and that, is, that saves. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You think about how many people that are preaching a false gospel. That man is saved by self-effort, religious works, ceremonies. The Pope of Rome is the bigger, biggest offender of them all. The Roman Catholic Church has been in existence since about 300, 600 A.D., somewhere in that range. And from, from the jump, they have been preaching a false gospel that is predicated upon the idea that salvation is in the church and by the works of men rather than the finished work of Jesus Christ. In all false religions, every single one of them, the Muslim religion, the, the way you get are accepted is by what you do. It's not by grace and it's not by faith in Jesus Christ. Every false religion believes, like this Pharisee, that they can justify themselves before God by their works. Now, this Pharisee was, was trusting in things he did or didn't do. He was boasting before God of his righteous and religious actions. Well, you know, if you've really tasted, that the, tasted of the grace of God, You'll never boast about it. You'll never boast about uh, your being made right with God. How do I? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody who is truly saved boasts about their ability, their works, how intelligent they are, how great their free will is, and how... I, they were so glad that they were so smart. No. You're like, the people that are saved are like this publican. God be merciful to me a sinner. I'm wicked. I'm undone. I don't deserve anything but your condemnation. I'm resting entirely, holy. I'm throwing myself entirely upon the mercy of God. In the eyes of men, 
If you were to go back in that day, there were probably people that were listening to his prayer and they said, oh, what a holy man. How righteous he is. Oh, I hope someday I can be like him. You see, men love to worship other men in false religion. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 2, Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 12. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Notice, that generation has been around ever since Cain proclaimed his own goodness. The fact of the matter is, this Pharisee thought he was righteous. But in the sight of God, he was an abomination. Now you think about the, the, the way that God looks at things and the way that man looks at things. People that were around the Pharisee that agreed with his religious ideals, they thought he was wonderful. They thought he was just, just a, a, a shining example of what a, a, a Jew should be. He's one of the Pharisees. He's one of the good ones. You know what God thought about him? Luke 16 and verse 15 says, Jesus said in well, verse 14, And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. How abominable, how wicked, well, the things that you think are the very most righteous deeds you've ever done. The greatest things, the most noble, the ones that people should applaud you for, that the God of heaven should recognize you for. My very most righteous deeds, here they are. And here's what God says about them. In Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6. But we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away and there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee for thou hast hid thy face from us 
and has consumed us because of our iniquity. The very best you've got are rotten rags with a stench in the nostrils of God. Now, <clears throat> I'm so thankful that the Lord condemned the Pharisee before them all. And then he declared that the publican went to his house justified. The publican, on the other hand, really didn't say anything at all about any of his works. In fact, he acknowledged the only thing he could call his own, his sin. He acknowledged his guilt before God, his unrighteous condition as a sinner before God, and he didn't seek for refuge in anything that he had done, but only in the mercy of God. A lost sinner will never be justified as long as he trusts to himself rather than on Jesus Christ and on the merits of Christ. We'll close with a classic verse tonight that illustrates this truth in Romans chapter 4 and verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. If you could be saved by your works, it means that God would owe you something for your righteous deeds. But, on the contrary, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are, are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. It's all a work of God. It's all a work of grace. It's not by works, not in any way, shape, or form. Now, that was the classic example. Next week, we're going to look at another example, uh, one that was written from his own personal experience. You know who it is, right? And you know the passage I'm talking about. It's Paul. And it's in Philippians chapter 3. So we'll look at another, another view of this, if you will. The first one that we looked at tonight was a parable. That was that Christ illustrating the nature of justification. Next week we'll look at Paul from his own personal experience showing you what men falsely trust in. We'll get to that next week, God willing. Let's all stand. Page 79.